0: The listeners. America, the it's
1: a time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea four six states, "My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge." But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs four seven states, "Wisdom is the principal thing; therefore, get wisdom, so all that I get and get an understanding." Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live audio stream. From that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash timeforanawakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live audio playing there also. You can go to abibitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn Radio is a free radio app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live. Even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. With the live stream on the TuneIn app, drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, to make that one of your favorites, put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this uh, chilly Sunday evening. Uh... November the 12th, Sunday evening, (laughs) in Philadelphia. Uh, We're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're kind of in open form, so to speak, but we're going to have some guests join us. Uh, The president of the Black Talk Radio Network, Scotty Reed, will be joining us to kind of talk about some things he's been doing down there in Gaston County, North Carolina. And also, we're going to have... some of the uh, chief activists from the black liberation movement down in Mississippi, from the different quadrants down there doing work to bring the state and the people of bring the state of Mississippi and our people together down there. Uh, we're going to have them kind of weigh in on the aftermath of this election and, uh, some plans moving forward, uh, that they have, uh, that, uh, that we all can hear and we can implement in our states where we live. But we'll hear from the men from down there uh, in Mississippi on some of the things that are going on. And uh, and we'll also hear from Scotty, uh, president of Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back to get the program started after I get some of this stuff situated here on this desk. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. (laughs) Everybody is here.
4: 245 That number is two one five eight eight five two four four four. Two one five eight eight five two four four four. All insurance incorporated.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 7.13, a Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and North Street, Brother Richard is with us, Brother Richard. Excuse
9: yes, me. sir, Brother Elliot.
1: How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Yeah,
9: as you as you said, and I know a lot of the um folks that we'll be engaged with, y'all y'all down there where it's warm, I hope, um, as it's getting chilly up here. And I just wanna let y'all know, as I say everybody all the time, Elliot, um even though I've been here all my life, the cold in me just don't work so i ain't, um other than that, I'm looking forward to you know this exchange I think is like you know, critically important when we're talking about where are we and where are we going um from here, and so I'll be definitely um looking forward to um expanding my understanding
1: you know um uh, so some of the uh the chief activists from down in in Mississippi are going to be on to kind of talk about the uh the, the I guess you consider the aftermath of that elect the that, uh, election that they had down there, but um you know there's certain things that I notice richard that and it's around the country and especially in our areas, and that's all I'm really concerned about that you have black elected officials in a lot of these areas taking office, but the majority of the people are not voting for them, and they're not voting period so how do we get our people and listen, I don't blame a lot of people for not being energized to participate in the system that exists now, but we do have to participate in developing leadership to move our people forward. How do we energize our people to do this? Uh, how do we develop strategies? Uh, some of our ancestors that have passed, have laid blueprints and strategies for us to use, uh, Sometimes we we might have to tweak them a little bit to kind of, uh, you know, to be applicable to twenty twenty three. But uh, it's strategies that we can use now. It's it's independent black political parties that have risen up in Pittsburgh, uh, in in Maryland, uh, uh, Charles Barron up there in New York City, uh, O'Malley Eschettelli down in Florida. Zaki berdy and and uh, St louis it's uh black independent parties that have risen, but it, it's still other strategies that we can use um, before we get to some of the activists in Mississippi. I want to bring on the president of the Black Talk Radio network um, been with him a, a number of years now, and I, I appreciate the affiliation with the Black Talk Radio Network. I appreciate Scotty's work. But uh, Scotty's on tonight to talk about some of the things that he did down in Gaston County that goes directly towards what we're talking about, uh, Richard. Uh, mm. I want to bring Scotty on. Uh, it's the president. Uh, I don't have that, uh, you know, that music that they play when the president comes on. You know, the, 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 the tax.
0: Oh, we're we going to get the marching band <laughs> and the whole bit?
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll uh, bring Scotty on. Scotty, how are you, sir?
3: I'm great. How are you guys?
1: Oh, great, great, great. Great, Scotty. Uh, Scotty, listen, um, you know, we've been talking about this in various programs at different times. Uh, development strategies to get our people involved in making decisions where they are. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of these are political decisions. Now, if mm-hmm. it's something that you did down there that's similar to what the brothers did. In Mississippi, but I wanted you to get on first because what they did is a little different than what you did uh, with the Mm -hmm. with the uh, the NAACP chapter that was in Gaston County. But talk about it from your perspective and and how you energized the people. You you took off the media hat and put on your activist hat and energized some of the young people down there to get involved. Go ahead, uh, Scotty.
3: Yeah. First, let me just speak to um, your opening statement about, you know, these elections, because we just had municipal elections in Gaston County. So that's all the little towns and cities and stuff. And um, Gastonia is the biggest city um, in Gaston County. And you know, of course, they have a very low percentage of the population is African American, but that's where our largest concentration of African Americans are in this county, is in Gastonia. And and actually I'm I'm related to the ex-mayor. He just lost. He just lost his race, right? He's a Democrat. Um, his, his name is, uh, Walker Reed. He's like my third or fourth cousin. And so anyway, um, you know, I've been close with doing my activism in the county with members of the Democratic party. And I'm talking about people that are in positions of leadership in the county party. And actually they adopted uh, abolition resolution. At the county level, they had me come out and speak to them about slavery never being abolished. In our Constitution, our state Constitution, doesn't abolish it. Well, it abolishes slavery, but it leaves involuntary servitude in place as a punishment for crime. Well, you know, slavery and involuntary servitude is, is the same thing. So they play some games with us there. So they passed a resolution to change the Constitution. Uh, the state constitution and that went all the way up to their state party convention and they adopted the resolution. So I know some people in the democratic party. And so of course they had been talking to me, you know, about um, um, this recent election and with the mayor losing and all And so what they were mad about is you had you had this guy who was a Democrat and he's on the city council It's a white guy. He's in the LGBT community and he decided he wasn't going to be a Democrat. He was going to run as an unaffiliated and run for mayor and challenge the black guy for his seat. And, and what have you. So they were very angry about the Said he used up, you know, party resources and then, you know, he dumps the party. And, um, and, but they were most concerned about him, you know, taking votes away. And we hear this from Democrats all the time. Oh, if you don't vote for Biden, Trump gonna get in there. Or if you don't vote for Biden, Hillary gonna get in there. And, and so they were saying the same thing about this, this Republican who actually did win. His name is Richard Franks. And he is a MAGA, one of the MAGA uh, persons and, you know, Trump loyalists and what have you. And so, but he, he won it by only 300 votes, right? And so I was trying to tell one of my friends that's in the party, I was like, I was like, y'all can blame that, that guy for leaving the party and, and splitting the vote cause those three were the top three vote getters. And if he hadn't have done that, perhaps Richard, I mean, perhaps, uh, Walker Reed would have won reelection. But like I told her, I said, he's a coon. I said, he's a coon. That's my cousin, but he's a coon. He's a gatekeeper. And I said, you know, when we were out there protesting the Confederate monument at our courthouse, granted, that's not city property, that's county property. But we were on city sidewalks and we were being, you know, uh, um, our rights were being violated by by the sheriff's department in trying to keep us from protesting over there and. And he had poor health, and I understand that he had had a heart attack and was recovering when all those protests had, had jumped off in 2020. But you know what? I said that's still no excuse. Like he can't use when you have an office like the president or an office like the mayor. The number one thing you got is a bullhorn. You have the bully pulpit, mm, yeah. and when you speak, people gonna listen. And this dude could have wrote a letter to the editor, you know, saying, um, although this is a county issue, I don't appreciate how people on our city streets are being denied their First Amendment, you know, speech rights to protest, you know, this racist monument that's in front. He didn't do any of that. So then a year later, this young black guy gets shot down in the street like a dog by the Sheriff's Department and the Gastonia City Police. So, you know, we were all out there, the activists and stuff, with to go to the family's house in Gastonia, you know, and just try to comfort the family and just, you know, uh, um, do a little uh, investigation of our own. And so, like I told my Democratic friend, I said, you know what? You were the only Democrat that came out there. And this also is uh, along with the NAACP. None of them showed up. None of them said nothing about this boy being shot down like a dog in the street. I mean, they murdered this kid, man. And I don't, you know, I don't want to take up too much time getting into the details of that case. But they murdered him, and there's forensic evidence to show that. And the local DA is just sitting on the case and not charging nobody, or you know, not saying anything. He could either say I'm gonna charge him, or he could say they not. Um, They made it very difficult for us to get body cam footage and what have you. So the black mayor is missing in action, not saying nothing about all of this. You know, um, the NAACP was missing in action, not saying nothing about all of this. And so it was during that vigil at, at that boy's family home, just days after he had been gunned down in the street, that I had mentioned to the other activists because their people was like, where the NAACP? They don't never do nothing. And I was like, y'all know what? I was like, let's take over the NAACP local chapter. I was like, all we have to do is just join it and then we got to vote. And we can vote these people out of office and what have you and and vote the people we want into office. And so, you know, that was like last year. And so, you know, other things came up. We put that on the back burner. But then earlier this year, like around March, we started focusing in on the NAACP. So we contact the so-called president, who is um, a black man by the name of, uh, what is his name? Chris, Chris, uh, I can't think of his last name. He'll come to me. But he's around my age. I didn't even know that. I thought he was older than me. But he's my age. I'm 56 years old. And so my first contact with this guy was in 2017. I was going to vote. And at that time, my polling place was in this little town called Stanley. See, I I live in an unincorporated area. I don't live in a city. I don't live in a town or nothing. So, But I had to go if I wanted to vote. You know, I had to go to Stanley. So I go to Stanley at the little rec center they got there. And I noticed this confederate, this little confederate monument and I felt kind of, some kind of way about that, you know, for, and not that I, you know, wear it on my sleeve, but I'm a veteran and no, don't thank me for my service cause it wasn't for you. Okay. So, so, but anyway, I will play that card when it suits me politically. And so I'm like, okay, I know why they put these outside, you know, having a polling place or at the courthouse. These were signposts to say ain't no justice here. This white supremacy here. So I contacted him, and I was like, you know what? I'm sick of these little Confederate monuments over at the courthouse. I'm sick of the one up here in Stanley where I go to vote. I shouldn't be greeted with symbols of the Confederacy and what have you. So he gonna tell me that, and again, this 2017, he gonna tell me that, well, we got more important things to, to, to work on and, and what have you. And I was like, well, what you working on? And he was talking about them trying to gerrymander, you know, uh, the voting districts and they were working on that and, and what have you. So I was like, oh, oh, really? I was like, you need some help? Okay. So he said, no, nah, we got it. <laughs> and so then years went by. I contacted him again um, a couple of years later, and he was like, I'm going to get back to you on that. Never heard from him, right? And then, so I started noticing things about him. Like, we had this sheriff um, deputy wear blackface on Halloween. Like, you know, she going to dress up like she is. um, uh, What's our reggae brother name that got assassinated? Bob Marley. She gonna you know put on a wig, a dreadlock wig, uh, black her face, and and you know on Halloween, and so people were complaining about that. So next thing I know, this dude is in the paper. This the NAACP president, Chris Thomason is his name, talking about. Well, people need to quit being so sensitive about that. You know, it is Halloween. I'm like, what? That's what this. And 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 believe it or not, this story. His words made it all the way to a newspaper in the UK, a publication in the United Kingdom over there in London. The um I think it's called the what is it, the Independent or the Daily Mail. I think it was the Daily Mail that picked up that story. So then then I knew, you know, that he was on some Coon stuff, right? So anyway, he was talking about the sheriff as his friend when we was questioning him about, oh, that's my friend. Alan Kloniger was the sheriff's name, this white man. Yes, he's a racist neo-confederate. And so bring it all the way up to March this year. We started contacting this dude and was like, when is y'all meetings? When y'all having the next meeting, we joined. See, we went online and joined. We didn't join through the chapter. We joined through national and got assigned to that chapter. So he, he finally agreed to have a meeting, come to find out they hadn't had a meeting since 2019. And they hadn't had an election since 2018. And so we asking all these questions and stuff. And he's talking about where well, I could never make quorum. I could never, I didn't know what he was talking about. And, and, you know, I got into the bylaws. I read the entire bylaws at least twice, right? And what he's saying is, is that you got to have at least 10 members in order to vote to do anything. You know what I'm saying? And re- by reading the bylaws, I found out that once you fall below 50 members that you are out of compliance, you got to maintain at least 51 members in order to be a chapter in good standing, as they call it, right? Man, they didn't have no members. They didn't, and I mean the so-called officer, so he shows up at that first meeting, he shows up there, um, his vice chair, um, which is this gay black dude. Um, all these are older people, older older than me, except for Chris. He's my age. And then the third chair was this woman, this black woman, who I knew was a coon. Right? She was opposed to us. You know, one of these... And she wasn't the only black person to be like, why y'all out like there messing with them white folks about that statue? It ain't nothing but a pile of bricks and stuff. This is the third chair for the NAACP, right? But then... I knew that she worked with this clerical, this clergy group here in Gaston County. And in 20, I think it was 2020 or 2021, they got like this Martin Martin Luther King Jr. monument that sits on the street that's named after him. And that's right across the street from the courthouse where they got the Confederate monument. And so they put people's names on there to get nominated. And you would think it was to embody you know, the work that Dr. King, you know, whether it was in voting, whether you was addressing poverty, whether you was addressing racism, white supremacy, just anything, that's what you would think. Man, that is not what it's for, and white people control it. These white white, uh, clergy members, and they got this group called Gaston County, they call it GC3. I don't know what the three stand for. And so she was a member of that. And so... We had caught wind, and this was in 20, yeah twenty twenty one. We caught wind that they were going to give the award to the Gastonia police chief, and this dude was was one of them Blue Lives Matter clowns. You know, they even had a Blue Lives Matter rally; hundreds of people showed up. He was a key one of the keynote speakers. So this is the type of dude, and his police department was harassing. Protesters and stuff on, on, on Gastonia city streets and what have, and they gave him and she was a part of that. And then they had the award ceremony at a black church. So we was like, no, this ain't going to fly. So we protested at the church during the ceremony, right? So, so these are the type of people that you had running the NAACP, but then to come to find out they had their memberships lapsed. You sitting up here telling people you the president of the local chapter, you over there claiming to be on the executive committee, and then that first meeting come to find out y'all weren't even members at that point because you let your membership lapse because they were filling out the membership forms right there in front of us. They admitted to us that they had let their memberships lapse. How long they let them lapse, I don't know. But they were telling people out in the community, oh, like the NAAC, I'm the president, you know, like this was a functioning chapter. It was not. It was not. So what we started doing, I had got my daughter to join, two of my daughters joined, um, most of my friends joined, um, and other activists joined. And so it, it, it was maybe about 15 of us maybe joined and stuff. So then we started writing complaints and making phone calls and emails to the national and telling them what was going on down here. Right. And, and so, you know, come to find out a bunch of money might've been stolen by their former treasurer who robbed the African American museum in Gastonia took, you know, she was on the credit card at the museum as well. And she had a gambling habit and spent over $35,000 racked up thirty five thousand dollars at a casino, the local, you know, casino around here. And she had terminal cancer. And so I guess she said, F it. I'm just gonna spend all this money and had a time my life before I die. And she did. But and now we come to find out, you know, from a former president of the NAACP before Chris, she was like saying she wanted to know what was uh what happened to some money. And that as much as sixteen thousand may have been uh taken. So it's no way for us to know, you know, they're not gonna give us access to the bank records and all of that. So, you know, we put all this in a complaint form to, you know, national. And so we had he had like started back having monthly meetings. I think we had three meetings by the fourth meeting. They sent a rep down. Um he's like the district rep that was overgassed on you. And they told, they told them to cease and desist. That this ain't a chapter no more. You're not in compliance. Man, they were so far out of compliance on so many other rules. It's not even funny. And like, you know, I had first reached out to, uh, Reverend, um, what's her name? Uh, Reverend Kareem Mack. She leads the NAACP in Charlotte, but I had known her from other activism work. And I knew she was a real sister who was about the work about the people because we could see everything they was doing over there in Charlotte. And so I had first asked her for guidance on how we should handle this. And she the one that told us, you know, don't fool with them people. She told me don't fool with them. She said, just talk to national, just talk to national and, and file your complaints. And that's what I did. And uh, so they've been shut down ever since then. So we haven't heard anything about the status of Nationals' investigation into it. So, you know, what we decided we were going to do, we're going to start from scratch. You need at least a 100 members to start a new chapter. We want a clean break from that old chapter, and we want a new chapter. So we got like, like a, um, we call it a reorganizing committee. It's seven of us, and so now we're going to start, now that the elections is over, because a lot of them worked in the elections, um, now we're going to work on getting a 100 members and start a, a whole new chapter. But speaking to also what you was talking about, about politics, if anybody read the NAACP chapter, they have these standing committees, and they're supposed to have a political standing committee. And so what we were talking about on our little private conference calls, you know, cause we stay in touch and talk to each other almost daily. Um, the activist that's doing this with me. But, you know, we talked about, you know, the reason Walker Reed lost is because he ain't do nothing for the people. You know, black businesses, new businesses opening up. He wouldn't ever go to their grand opening, but he'll go to these white ones and stuff like that. Then he was all about corporate, corporations, you know. And then he also gentrified this one historic black community, you know, putting in this new business district called Fuse. And so I tried to tell my friend, she a diehard Democrat or whatever. I tried to tell her, I was like, I was like, of course he lost. I was like, you know, what did he do for the black community? What What the F did he do? He ain't do nothing. So why would anybody be excited to turn out the vote for him? And then he ain't really run no kind of campaign. And so I I was like, but I was like, you know what? Once we get this new chapter and we get a political standing committee, we need to be grooming people for these local political offices and stuff. Because, I mean, the dude, the mayor of of Gastonia won with less than 3,500 votes, man. (laughs) You know? and so yeah it was very very low turnout but again like i said to somebody else people is tired of voting to keep somebody else from getting in the office but you're not voting because you're excited about who you're voting for and so people are disinterested and they're not going to show up but i said once we get this thing up and rolling that should be our long term plan is identifying people in the community, grooming them to run for a political office on a platform that lines up with the NAACP bylaws. And then, you know, if they win, if they're in an officer position of the NAACP, they just resign. They can still be members. They just can't be an officer. And so that's where we at right now. I know I said a lot, but if you got any questions for me.
1: Scott, Scott, before I pass it to Richard, let me ask you. you when you mentioned that um, that you got a, a group of people together to join, but they joined from the national. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is I don't know. That's why I'm asking you this. Just say, for example, if you wanted to join from that local, then that president could have stopped the applications. He could have tore them up. He could no. He could. He couldn't have. No. Okay. No. Okay.
3: I just, I just was curious to why uh, you see this is what what happens and um see it's an issue with that too. People were saying they had joined and they ain't never get a card because we got a card in the mail, you know, a card and a letter and and what have you uh, welcoming you to the NAACP and they was like, where y'all get them cards from? I gave him my money. I ain't never getting no car. Man, this dude wasn't turning in the money. He was not turning in the money because National is supposed to get, um, don't quote me on this, but I think they're supposed to get like half. Uh, and then, uh, so it's split between the local branch and the National. And so if you go to National's website, you could join as either an at-large member or you can, you know, uh, search for your local chapter and stuff. And even though this was an inactive chapter, they were still in the database, right? So that's how we join and, and and so when you join through national, um and it's just $35 a year, man. It ain't even a lot of money. So I think national would have kept their $12 out of it and the rest they would have sent to the chapter. But again, this chapter was not in compliance, man. I mean, they were they were doing a whole bunch of stuff that's wrong, and this dude might be lucky if he don't get criminal charges out of this.
9: <laughs> Richard, yeah, you know, Scotty, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process. Um, I know I said a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. That is, it's the point of the whole thing of, and, and because this discussion is going to um, center around, or at least my, what I'm looking at. How do we turn these legacy organizations to, and I, I think the term where you might use, so the people in these communities can be excited about um, organizing in their own interests. Um, mm-hmm. And so well, I guess the question, the first question I have, does the NAACP have
3: a negative image in your mind, even from where in your county? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. man. Y'all, no, uh, NAAC been, been trash, man. Now, that's not every chapter, okay? That's not every chapter. Like I said, the one in Mecklenburg County, um, they have a great chapter, and they are led by a conscious black woman by the name of Reverend Corinne Mack. And she had, when she found out what was going on over here, but she knew me and knew the work that I had been engaged in, she was like, Those are my enemies because they harmed black people. She was talking about, you know, the so-called executive community. You harmed black people, man. Once I really start getting into them bylaws and looking at their website, man, a lot of money be going to the NAACP. Matter of fact, a major bank just gave them something like $50 million that was supposed to be distributed to the local chapters. Um, I got on a call one time after the Supreme Court had um basically eviscerated uh, affirmative action, and so National put together this emergency online call through Zoom or whatnot, and I think the man's name is Leon Russell. Like, he might be the executive director. He's on the executive board, but he's not the president of the NAACP. Man, this fool got on there talking about uh, uh, we might need now. This supposed to be about affirmative action, and this Negro on there talking about we might need to stop asking for money in terms of reparations. I'm like, what the hell? What the, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And then they just hosted Hillary Super Predator Clinton, you know, at, at one of their their last national um. Yep. Annual conference yep. or yep. whatever. Yep. She was a guest speaker. Yeah, she was a keynote mm-hmm. speaker in Boston. Yeah, that's where it was in Boston, and I was like, oh, well, I already knew that. I already knew that some of these people were coons. You know what I'm saying, and, and what have you? So I already knew that, but I thought about it in terms of COINTELPRO. Pro. You know how J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI infiltrated the Black Panther Party and other leftist organizations to destroy them from within? I was like, well, how come we can't do the same thing and infiltrate the NAACP with radical, conscious activists and take it over from the ground up? You must have been reading Richard's all, all, all it costs is $35 a year to be a member, man. Come on. You can come up with $35
1: you, you must have been reading Richard's mind. That's what he was saying, <laughs> Richard.
10: <laughs>
9: no, says, and, and, and so, well, well let, me, let me ask this, um, because and looking at, because the other thing that you raised is the connection between the NAACP and the Democratic Party. Um, you know, I would mm-hmm. assume there is a, a connection um, between that. So what is the agenda item that you There's said? There's
3: not supposed to be Richard. There's again. not supposed to be They are supposed to be a nonpartisan organization. Is that true, though? (laughs) As as your observation, is that
11: true?
3: Obviously, it's not. Now, they are advocacy organizations, so they are supposed to be talking to these politicians Hmm. on both sides of the aisle. Or I don't care if you are a Green Party or the Libertarian Party, if you're in office the NAACP, as an advocacy organization, is supposed to be engaging them, but as we can see, we know that we know that the NAACP historically—I I, I, don't don't give me the line about how long this been going on—but been cozying up to the leadership of the DNC. I mean, how else does Hillary Clinton end up at your darn uh, uh thing? after all the harm this woman then caused Black people.
9: And, and so the question comes, and, and I only have two more you know, questions for this round, because I am interested in how everyone, you know, when we talk about, and I'm glad that you're in North Carolina and then we have people in, in, in Mississippi, um, how this difference of all politics being local, it goes to my next question. So for your area, uh, using the NAACP to energize and change its negative image, what is the agenda item? that you think would bring people, that would resonate with people, not just your what the work y'all have been doing as organizers, but when they would believe this resonates with me. What is that agenda item? I'm kind of curious of that.
3: I mean, I don't know how to answer that except for what I said to people. And what I said to people is y'all know we got a bunch of coons over here claiming to be the NAACP and you see, they ain't come out to nothing that to address nothing that was going on in the community. They ain't even come show up at, you know, this boys a uh, funeral or nothing like that. And so I was like, you know, either we can sit on the sidelines and complain and, 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 but that's not going to change anything, or we can become members and change it from the inside. Mm-hmm. And we need mm-hmm. good people like you, you know, who's going to be about the work of the NAACP and confronting racism and white supremacy. That was my pitch. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, my, my last question is, you know, as we continue to develop, and I definitely
9: will have more, but um, is there, you know, you mentioned about this $50 million that's supposed to, the bank gave the national. And I'm, and I'm, cause, these legacy organizations I'm having challenges with, right? And I assume that's one reason black people in general um, look at them because they're getting this money, and you don't mm-hmm. hear them advocating, and you see them getting money, but you don't see where it's being distributed
3: at. Um, well, well, when I went to the national website, they do distribute that money. Um, they're supposed to, and I'm not talking about that $50 million Mm -hmm. per se one-time gift, but they do have scholarship programs and stuff like that you can find on the national website. Look, on paper and, you know, reading the website, I you know, it's a clear vision that I agree with. I agree with the bylaws or I would not have joined, but they aren't running it according to the mission, you know. And again, I'm not making a sweeping indictment of every NAACP chapter or people up there at national, but you know there are some issues and there are some problems. But they do because I was saying we were saying to ourselves, look at this money over here, man, that this chapter could have been getting, you know, to to uh, you know help these young people with this or that, you know, because it talks about. Service and, and I, I, I like took some of the training classes. They'll have like online training classes and stuff for officers or whatnot. But it's open to anybody, and it's younger people. It's people in their thirties and four, or maybe forties, not even as old as me, in my fifties. And I just think think that the older folks that's in over them need to get the hell out the way. They just need to retire, go sit down somewhere, you know, um and and let the young people run it, you, you know, because people was, like, trying to recruit me to become the president, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be the president of the local chapter. I said, what I want to do for the local chapter is I want to be on the press and publicity standing committee, you know, because I work in media, so that's right down my line, right? And But I don't want to be president. I said, I think is some capable young people in this county, and and this is this is their gen, my generation, and with the sleep, the dude that that was running it, if you want to call it, that Chris Thomason, the fake NAACP pretender, uh, president pretender, he's my age, you know what I'm saying, and so I just feel like that that I need to get out the way. I'm there to assist. If you want wisdom, you know, if you want to ask me what I think about this or that, I'm there for you. I'll help y'all with this, that, and the other. But am I interested in being president? Hell no, because that's an unpaid position, and it's a lot of work. And I am not going to volunteer to do something that I don't have the time to commit full time to. So, you know, that's better left for somebody else. Uh, yeah, i answer your question. Oh, yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till we come back around uh, and, and continue to, you know,
1: um, expand the conversation. Okay. Yeah, you know what, what we're going to do? We're going to take a break. And when we come back from break, we'll uh, bring in uh, uh, the brothers and, and possibly sister. I don't know whether uh, Sister Crystal will be with them. But the uh, the folks from uh, the Black Liberation Movement down here in Mississippi to talk about the uh, uh, how they took, how they dealt with their chapter, because it's a little bit different than Scotty's and, and uh, Brother Rodney Low, Brother uh, better known as Brother Dove Sack, and, and some of the other activists will talk about uh, um, how they, uh, what they did down there, and, and also talk about the how they dealing with uh, some of the uh, fallout from this uh, l- election that they had. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, you can join in the discussion too because it's, uh, it's some callers up here. Uh, if you've got a question or comment for our guests, uh, you can join the discussion by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
6: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter. Serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today,
13: 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abib2Me.com, abib bb2me.tv, are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global commit to you Black family, to join your interconnected commit to you Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, AbibitumiTV.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
2: you know that some of us are not afraid, that even though we may be elected, we'll say what's on our mind. But we must understand that we're freedom fighters first, and that all the other things come next. That I'm a black man first, and then a state representative. I don't confuse the two. And I think it's time for us to wake up and realize and understand that you got a lot of us that are willing to go to battle because the freedom ain't gonna never be free unless we take it. There's too many of us sitting around That is going to come to us on some damn silver platter. Wake up, you fools, and understand this man has no respect for you. None, none whatsoever.
14: And know that this problem needs to be solved, and we can't keep
15: Of victories that were won by the Southern Freedom Movement, uh, Black people occupy far more establishment positions than they did back in my day in the in the 1960s. So, in a sense, you also have a struggle with 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 a kind of Black establishment (laughs) that has a vested interest in the status quo. So you're up against an establishment within the black community that we never had to face because it didn't exist (laughs) because of segregation and discrimination. And that makes their task if they want to organize much, much more difficult with respect to the black community than what we had to face.
2: Today our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it's Southern senators, this is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's the government filibuster. Any kind of activity that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate, that's the government. This government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help self-help program. Before we can get a self-help program started, we have to have a self-help philosophy. Black nationalism is a self-help philosophy. What's so good about it, you can stay right in the church where
10: you are and still take black nationalism as your philosophy.
12: Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8 o'clock straight up on this Sunday evening. Our uh, guest this evening, the, the president of the Black Talk Radio Network, Brother Scotty Reed, is with us. Uh, we got several activists, key activists, from down at the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi. Uh, brother Patrick Lamumba will be joining us. Brother uh, Rodney Loeb, Better known as Brother Dove Sack, Brother Malik Hayes will be with us, uh, and probably some of uh, 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 the key activists from the different quadrants down in Mississippi will be joining us. Uh, we're gonna try and, we're gonna uh, switch over to uh, some of our Mississippi guests. Uh, Brother Patrick, are you there? Brother Patrick.
8: Yes. Sir. Yes, sir, Bobby Elliot. I'm here. Okay. Uh, you,
1: you hear me? Yeah, you're a little foggy, but. Uh, We'll try to, uh, try, to make, uh, try to try to make try to try to go right through it. Uh, let's go here and get Brother Malik Hayes. Brother Malik, you still there, Brother Malik?
8: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here, Brother. Uh, brother. Brother Elliot. Okay. And
1: uh, I don't know, whether bro- Brother Dubsack. I don't know what uh, whether he's on with us or not. Um, because I'm not sure what number he's calling in on. Brother Dubsack, is that you? I'm here. Oh, great, good. I <laughs> I pushed the button there just to see, and then it happened to be you. That's great. Listen, brothers. You heard a uh, 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 brother Scotty from down there, from over there in Gastonia, North Carolina, talk about uh, what they had to do to take control of the uh, the NWCP branch in their county that was doing absolutely nothing for the people. Before we uh, talk about the aftermath of that election down in Mississippi, uh, Brother Dubsack, talk about uh, what you and some of the men and women did in the county that you're in in Mississippi to take control of the NAACP. I would think, now this is just me, I would think that your story might be similar to that of Brother Scotty, but talk about it from your perspective uh, dealing
16: in Mississippi. Uh first of all, good evening, Brother Elliot, and all uh brother Commanders is on the line and to all the listeners across the nation. Um, I am Dove D U V S A C Dove Sack. Before I go on, brother uh, Elliot, I'm gonna just explain what Dove Sec stands for. Dove Sec stands for is an acronym standing for Divine Unity versus standards against Christ. Um, and that was given a vision given to me at the tender age of nineteen uh by by how power I stand on that. We need divine unity right now, but to speak on, um, the branch, it it is a similar situation. Um, I was actually very critical of the NAACP. Just being an activist here in my area here in Marshall County, Mississippi, I was very, uh, crucial and critical of the NAACP. Um, I was talking to my dear friend Torn uh, Lester, who just ran for uh, chair. Him, him, he and I both were talking, and I, we both were activists in the community. And he he was expressing me one day that he used to be a part of the branch. Uh, him and his sisters, who are who are activists in the community, but they they soon left because so he said, man no juggles ain't doing nothing that. So uh, I, I never I never, but I was watching Rolling Mars one morning. And Roland was uh, talking about his frat brothers out in Washington State, uh, that they went to a branch, and the branch was uh, non-active. And he did, his, his frat brothers joined the branch uh, and outvoted them. So I had the idea, so I called my, my, my friend, i torn G, and told him, hey, bro, let's join the branch and see what's going on and see if we revitalize that branch. He said, if you want to, let's try. He said, but I don't, I don't have any faith in him. So we joined for the first six months. It was pretty much like what the brother went through. Uh, the leadership was all the elders. Uh, they didn't have the fighting the meeting anymore. It was all in bed with the local politician. Actually, we didn't have a president of the other branch at the time. They were using the mayor. The president mayor of the city was down on paper as our branch uh, president, and he had been our president like 15 or 10 years back, uh, we had actually had a uh, a woman president since this time. They didn't have her down as president. They had him down as president. Um, but the, and like and like the other brother, they hadn't had an election in about four or five years. So they was operating uh, without a president, but they did have their membership. Uh, so I salute them for that. So we actually basically, to tell a long story short, we went in, we recruited, uh, we started with family and friends, uh, I started my barbershop here in uh, Holly Springs. I went to recruit members. Uh, and once we knew, and the, and the election was a year off. When we started inquiring about the election, it was like December uh, of 90, uh, I mean, December of 2015, 2016. And the election was only going to be November of 17. So we knew we had six, seven months of hard campaign of, of recruiting uh, new members. So we recruited, and then when it came down to the election, uh, Brother Elliott. Uh, it was a Thursday night. I never forget it. was, it was a rainy Thursday night. We met at the uh, county library, and the old and the, and oh I'm gonna call them old heads or lifetime members. So I call them lifers. Those lifers actually sat in our face in the library and told us that I'm sorry to inform you all, but state state conference just gets sent us a letter or email saying that we got our paperwork in too late so we cannot have an election. I said, what? And, and we and we and we did everything according to their timeline. They're telling us when to get the paperwork in, when to submit this, when to do this. So we only went by their instructions. And then for is for them to tell us the night before the election, that state conference said we cannot have an election. Not only did they say state conference said we can have an election, but they said that national said that we can have an election. So I looked him in their face. I said, I will accept that tonight. But I want you guys to know that in the morning, I will be calling Jackson to ask them about this. I just don't see a hundred-plus-year-old organization waiting until the night before the election and tell us it was too late to submit our paperwork. So anyway, I woke up the next morning and called Jackson, talked to Brother Hampton, and he said, not only the state conference didn't say that, but state conference do not get in the local elections. And national have no idea what's going on. So there we go. We knew then that the the, the president um, the, the the president administration of the n w a c p did not want change. So on that phone call, Brother Hampton asked me, um, "Well, Mister Lowe, when would you like to have an election?" I said, "Well, it was November." Then I said, "Well, December." Uh, so he came up December the fourteenth. Uh, we had the election. We, we called up all the new members, told them to be there. I mean, them them them, them old heads actually called up uh, members that we had never seen in three years of being in the branch. We had never seen some of these members before, but they lifetime members, so they don't necessarily come every meeting, but they are members. So they showed up. I think they had like twenty some members, but we had thirty one in the in, in the building. So we out we out uh, voted them, and actually uh, the branch uh, selected me to be the president, and I accepted. Uh, then I nominated uh, Twan G, my vice, as my vice, and, uh, and P2, other vices. So we got three vice presidents in the branch. But we had to have that election. We had to have state conference to come up to have our election because our local representation just did not want us to take over. Now, upon us taking over, we went through all types of red tape. Every time someone came to us with a issue, that's not, you know, you know, we're new to it, so we're not really knowing all the rules and regulations. So we still following their instructions. So um new people come to us in the community with problems. We could never seem to take no issue. Everything was not falling on the platform in the NAACP. And it was just bothering the new members, like, hey, but these are people. And they heard me. So I had to dig a little deeper. We finally attended our first state conference. We went to a couple of workshops. So now we are informed. On how the branch operates. So of course, when we come back, we hit the ground rolling. With now we informed, now we know our position, now we know our power, and, and, and we, we never look back. Uh, and slowly but surely, not only did the lifetime members stop coming, we didn't we didn't encourage that. Now we didn't run them off. They just slowly uh, wanted to disassociate themselves with us because now we are taking on issues that are offending their friends in politics. We are uh, we are offending those who they, they invaded with, so they slowly uh, walked away from the branch, um, and not only that, but we saw local sororities and frats slowly take their money, uh, withdraw their money, stop giving their donations um, because they couldn't control what we talked about or what issues we stood on, and um, still today, uh, like I heard the brothers say, uh, we have members that walk up to us right now. And say, man, I joined two, three years ago. I never got my card. I never got any, no information back from the, from national. So I can understand money not being where it's supposed to be, membership not being like it should be. And, and that's what we, that's what's going on right now throughout the, uh, this organization. Um, they call it a revitalization, revitalization of the branches. I call it a reform of the branches. Not only we got to go in there and outvote them, but we got to go in there with a new mindset a more progressive militant mindset for our people and we want complete liberation, especially in the great state of Mississippi. It, it, Brother
1: Dove the um the, I heard you say on the uh, on the, the program that, that that you do on the Thursday that um that you and several of the other brothers have been activists in the community for a while and the people would come yes. to you with problems. But now that because you had mentioned that now that you uh, because you know you couldn't, you know, if you had a, it, it wasn't like you had. To, to You could call a press conference so people could hear what you have to say. But now, yeah. as the head of that organization, you can call a press conference now and put these community issues right before the public. Talk about that from your yeah. perspective of using that
16: seat as a bully pulpit. Right. Well, actually, that's one of the that's one of the convincing. Uh, arguments that I, that I, I used with my friend Torn, uh, Torn G and other members that had been in there that had left. I was like, hey, we can be activists all day. When you call them, they don't come. When I call them, they don't come. When we come, we call them together, they don't come. But if we call them at the end of they might just come. So, and, and that's what we were banking on. So, uh, um, once we got into leadership and started addressing some real issues that was going on in the community, uh, we, we, we found that they would come. They would talk to us. And it got to a point where they even start hearing about things that's going on before we did. And they would call an ask us for our opinions or for a statement. And, you uh, know, which got us more involved. Um, so definitely we use that, uh, that platform, um, with a little bit more weight than me as an individual. Of course it does. It's a hundred plus years. Of, um, of fighting for the liberation of black people, it has it has done some great things for us. But like our organization for black people has been ruined with niggas. Uh If I, I can say that on your on, on your broadcast, um, bad. Like right now, we have we have black elected officials who are not black elected officials to me. Uh, they might they might wear the title there as the first black elected this or the first black elected that. But when you look at the history, those people who wore those titles broke down barriers. They opened up doors for others, for generations to come. These present black leaders are just getting a check and wearing the title. So they are ashamed like, like, to even admit that they are a black leader. Uh, I mentioned that, that the president at the branch was the mayor at the time. That's the mayor that I spoke on the other day when I said uh, I asked the mayor how he feels to be Uh, black mayor of an 86% black city. And his instant response was, I'm everybody mayor. And you only got 14, you only have 14% of others. What do you mean? You know, I understand what you mean, but what are you saying to me? Especially when I see your name down as the president of the NAACP. So that's the type of leadership we deal dealing with down here in Mississippi. I'm sure it's going out, it's going on throughout the whole state. So that's why we're going through a, a transition right now of reforming each branch. But not each branch. I must I must be tracked that Some branch are operating like they should. Um and, but those who need reform, we're trying to reform. Them.
1: Now now Brother Delta, you you, your branch is in the northern part of Mississippi or down near the Delta?
16: Uh, I'm in the north. I'm like uh I'm one county over from Memphis. It's DeSoto, then Marshall. Okay. So you got
1: you got other and this the good thing about it, Richard, is uh, uh with the organization that they have down there, you got men in different quadrants of Mississippi working. You got Brother Patrick right. in one area. You got Brother Malik Hayes in another area. I think he's in the Delta. Brother Malik Hayes is in the Delta, aren't you, Brother Malik? Yes, sir. The
8: heart of the Mississippi Delta, Greenville,
1: mm-hmm. Mississippi. Yeah, so you got, you got activists from the different quadrants that are working on issues right from the community, but have a, uh, a, a conduit now with the NAACP. And, I, mm. and and also uh, Brother Patrick, I think it was a brother that you had on the program at one time. that was in the NAACP up near you. Uh, what was the brother's name, Brother Patrick? You um, or Richard? Do you remember his name? Mm. No, no, no. I no, don't. No. Well, when Brother Patrick come on, he'll he'll uh, he'll refresh my memory. But uh, what I'm saying is that those men are working together in mm. this, which is more of, more of an effective punch towards dealing with. Uh, uh, the belly of the beast, so to speak, in Mississippi, than in other areas. Oh, go ahead, Richard. Well, let, let
9: me let me say, uh, uh, brother Downside, Right um, first, I, I would have to say, uh, and you, as you were laying out the the story of of your um, taking over the branch, it made it made me laugh to myself because we talk about older people like they dumb but the, they they were they 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 was trying to make their moves there it sounded like I mean you know um it you know, and that um, it's insidious, but it also shows that they're they're clear of what power is and how they can to the best of their ability. I just had to get that get that out that they um just to hear that like look we we could we can we can make this work um because I think that's important for us to see and not just legacy organizations like the NAACP, but a lot of these organizations that have these people in them, how they will, to the extent they will go to to resist change and how, to the extent they will go to, to hold on power, even at the death of the organization itself. Um, The question I have, though, is um, based off of now being into the NAACP, how do you see young people in, in your organizing effort responding to um the, you know, um possibly I don't possibly going to become a members, but more importantly, just based off of your work, um, how do you see them responding to being um you know the NAACP as far as the image wise?
16: Well, I, I I'd be the first to say the image of the of the uh, of the organization has been damaged in the community, although it still carry weight in the community. Uh, our youth look at it as somewhat of a uh, back in the day. We don't really need it now until you until to that brick falling in the lap, until they faced with an issue in the courts or they got pulled over and think they was handled a little uh, rough and then they reach and then I-, I think it's because of our consistency. They uh over the f- first three or four years, they consistently saw us in the news. They saw us in the community standing up for the least of D. I'm talking about elite, not nothing, no one, no elite person, the least of D. And we were standing up for these people, uh, and, 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 and going totally so with the, with the sheriff or with the, you know, uh, the judge or whoever was handling that case or handling that issue with them. So we kind of want them over over the years, but they still reluctant and dragging their feet because of the corruption, the corruption that we under here in, in Holly Springs. Say if you come to me and you was done wrong by an officer, by the time we call the sheriff, uh, call the DA, uh, talk to your lawyer, your, your public, uh, uh, public, uh, offender, um public defender, uh, there's still no justice. Cause all of those, all of them are working at Cahoots. The public defender going to go along with the, the, the DA, the DA going to go doing with the sheriff and the detective tell them to do. So at the end of the day, nothing really changed, but we stood up for them. They saw us fighting with you. They saw us in the trenches with with you. Um, or lately, uh, once they once the government officials and the politicians realized that we wasn't going to fade away, or we wasn't just going overnight come by and, and gone and go the next day, they realized that they had to side. Changing some of their uh, tactics, and uh, or they might instead again they try, they trying to get a young man recently here who shot at a, at a white lady. Uh, he didn't shoot her; he shot a car, but she didn't get hit. And uh, they had him on a three million dollar bond. Uh, but but a young, one of my homies killed my other homie, and he was out within a week for ten thousand dollars. And and I made a and we we made we made a fans on that. Like no, the, the parent is not saying that they to not shoot the car. She simply wants justice and you can't show me justice when both people are in jail. One of them in jail for uh attempted murder, the other in jail for murder. The murder get out for ten thousand and attempted murder is still in jail for three million dollars. And then he was facing fifty years for shooting at a white woman. Fifty years. Mm-hmm. So with with the press and the in the social media uh, uh platform, uh we put enough pressure on him that the mother uh we also wrote a letter uh on, on behalf of the of the young man. And the mother called and uh, giving giving us thanks that she do believe our efforts helped them come from fifty thousand dollars down, I mean fifty fifty years down to thirty years and suspended fifteen, so you're doing fifteen for just shooting at a white woman. But here it is, we got two murderers, murderers walking around in the street every day right now. That's the system we're under here. So when they used see that, they know we want, they know we're there for them, they know we're trying, they know we're fight for them. But they still seem to uh, have a sense of hopelessness because those powers of the beast are in office. And that's why after three, four years of, of fighting for our people, we know now, uh, myself and Torn G. and other members of the branch, we start running for office. So go back to that, that piece you asked earlier, Brother Elliot, about we're supposed to be nonpartisan. We are as a branch. But each member um, can do what they, they like to do, you know, what they are, you know, lead them to do. And we've been so involved going throughout each department of the government, and knowing that there's no help for our people, so we know now we got to run and 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 uh, get these people out of office. We got to become the people in the office. We got to become those who with that power, that look power. We do have over our community. We have to be the ones in those seats because right now we are being occupied by blacks and majority of black women, and 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 it's not in favor of a 86 percent.
9: Populated black communities. And then, if I, if I may, Elliot, you know, I wanted to ask um, both of you gentlemen what I'm, I'm interested in. is a couple of things I'm interested in, and I'm interested in, you know, how does the local issues using the and and I recognize that the NAACP is a tool. It's, it's a tool um, towards um, um, overcoming oppression and towards liberation. You know, just that, especially for you men. It's not um something that you're in because of what it is, but it's something to use to get to a goal. And I'm I'm want- I'm wondering like when we look at the state um structure that Scotty was talking about earlier and the national structure, um what is the issue that that the major issue that you're addressing um where it aligns with the state NAACP, and the national NAACP, and have they um, responded because of your activism of utilizing the local, being engaged in the local? Is there an issue, um, and your, your issues may be different because of your location, is it an issue that's aligned with the state and local NAACP, and have they provided um, informal in or informal support? based off of that issue being a you know, a part of the NAACP um issue agenda, if
16: that makes sense to you. It does. Uh well I, I, I guess I jump in there first. Uh in in the beginning we got we got resistance from our uh, state we were getting because the OAS is calling them. Uh the so called reporting us that we was out of compliance and we were just we're just um Taking on any type of we just speaking on different things that we should speak on. So once I show or once I relay to them that everything that I speak that we speak on is on the platform is off the platform, and because and, and because the brand, the organization is very thorough. Now, I, 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 like I said, I was very critical of it because of the act because of the action, but the thought process and the theory of the NWACP is well thought. Mm. So platform they have. If there's nothing in your community that's going to take place that don't fall on that platform. Somehow, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's criminal reform, uh, whether it's uh, voter suppression, um, you know, uh, getting uh, turnout to vote, or you uh, know, in, in, uh, police brutality, all that is on the platform, and uh, and so there's nothing that's going to go on in our community that's not on the platform. So once I relayed that to uh, state conference, um, they seem to. Uh, Back off on trying to be, uh, regulators and went to a more of a, uh, guidance type deal. Uh, and I don't really speak to everybody at State Conference. I call, uh, one or two Pacific, uh, individuals that I know got years under their belt. Um, that, that has been the president of the State Conference over, over a period of time, but not in that position now. So they can offer me wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we talk on the, we talk on the record and off the record. Uh, just when it comes to this struggle for for black people, and they and they understand me, they understand I'm very passionate. Um, that with or without this title or the branch, I'm gonna do what I do for my community. And uh, once I uh, conveyed that to them, they knew then who they're dealing with, and that I'm not gonna do anything to jeopardize the name of the um, uh, But I'm gonna fight for our people, and it might tear some uh, people off that they're not as radical a militant that I am.
10: Mm-hmm.
16: And brother from but, the southern okay, excuse me, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say with well, National was very supportive. We had a I had to do a call to action in Bahia, Mississippi, um under my first term as president, and they gave me no resistance uh, on 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 national support on that.
10: Mm-hmm.
9: And brother from the southern part of Mississippi, how is your re- um relationship and what is that issue that aligns with the state and the national from
1: your experience, For me? No, you're, no, talking, th- you're talking to bro- Brother Malik. No, Brother right. Malik. Excuse me.
8: Our family. I'm, I'm actually in the um, the western central. Okay. Part of the state. Yeah. I'm. I'm more western central. Um, now, as far as the NAACP goes, that that would be more Brother Dove Sack Lane. I am actually just working with him through well, the uh, black liberation movement and the Mississippi on the move uh, platform we have merged to um uh further what we're trying to do when it comes to um the political aspect uh, of the state of Mississippi um now there was there was something that <laughs> brother Scotty and uh Brother Dub Sack said that was that was that just stood out to me and that was the infiltration of the two organ of the organizations in, you know, two different locations. I wanna commend Brother Scotty Reed for what he's doing with the NAACP up in uh Gastonia, Gaston uh, County. Uh oh Gaston and Gastonia. I've actually traveled through there. I'm a truck driver by trade, so I've been through Gastonia quite a few times. And the the infiltration of the NAACP actually has an element to me of the spook that's sat by the door. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. it, it actually has that element of, of going in and just seeing what's going on. And then doing the following, which was uh, voting people uh, out and voting people in. Because the, the element of the coons, the uh, dysfunctional marriage, with the Democratic Party that black people have had for so many years and the fear and desperation are the things that push us to just blindly vote for a uh, different politician that, that, that doesn't have our interests as black people. Uh, we don't get full representation. So I, I, I really commend you two brothers for doing what you're doing and trying to change the course of the NAACP. And the way they're doing things because, um, somebody used the term legacy organization. I believe, I believe that was uh brother Richard yes. that used the term legacy organization and these legacy organizations have gone to sleep, you know, historically, uh, uh um, when it comes to uh, fighting for black people, especially when it comes to the political realm, because, um, Brother Scottish said something that really surprised me when he said that the NAACP is nonpartisan. See it, we supposed, <laughs> supposed to be oh, it's supposed to be nonpartisan. <laughs> but I, I imagine it's the it's the coons that are in bed with these politicians or got in bed with these politicians at some time and married us off to help to marry us off to the Democratic Party. And that was one of the things with this election, with this past election cycle, uh, the governor's election, we were so married to, and I know I'm, I'm changing subject a little bit. No, oh, go ahead. We, we were so married to, we we're so married to the Democratic Party, and out of fear and desperation, that we would rather vote for the lesser of two evils. <laughs> I heard Brother Scotty Reed speak to that, speak to that element when it came to. Uh, Trump and Biden, and that's exactly what happened. We voted for Biden out of fear and desperation in the marriage the dysfunctional marriage that we've had with the Democratic Party for probably over sixty five years now so it was that climate here in Mississippi, the last election cycle where people were divided you know it, there was a there was a whole this was, let I me mean, put it like this, this was the most engaged I've seen people in Mississippi in an election in a long time. This was remote, a young, across the board, young and old, because they actually, like I said, they didn't, they didn't want to vote for Tate Reeves, no, no doubt. But when you talk about Brandon Presley coming from out of nowhere with no resume of doing anything for black people. You know, he campaigned on his word alone. And he had scoured the state. And his best scouring was in the Mississippi Delta, which is uh, predominantly west of I 55. So he saw the demographics. He saw that there were uh, more people, the concentration of black people is right here in the Mississippi Delta. So that, that is the area that he targeted. And I call it a a chitlin circuit that he went on. Mm. So he he went, he was at the, we have an annual hot tamale festival here in Greenville. It's the biggest hot tamale festival, largest hot tamale festival in the country. And Brandon Presley, as you know, was in town. He was at uh, the Blues Festival, the annual Blues Festival we have here. He was at the, on the uh, HBCU campuses of Mississippi Valley State all Corn State, Jackson State. He did his best chitlin circuit tour. And what what did he do? He galvanized black people to come out and vote for him on his word alone. No resume. No resume. And -hmm. like I said, people were so divided on this thing because you had staunch Democrats and you had those of them who were what we would consider members of civil and social organizations helping to push the agenda that we have to get another Democrat in the office because uh, Tate Reeves is, they, they was talking like the sky was going to fall out, like the the, the earth was going to cave in if we had Tate Reeves for another four years. We had had uh, Phil Bryant, who happens to be, if I'm not mistaken, the cousin or nephew of Carolyn Bryant, He was governor for eight years, and then we had Tate Reeves for four years. Is that
3: Emmett Till Bryant?
8: Yes, that is the Carolyn Bryant that was involved in the murder of Emmett Till. Mm. uh, uh, I think it's Phil Bryant, which was the governor for eight years, that is her, if I'm not mistaken, her cousin or her nephew. So... Black people had gotten to the point in this state until they were just tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired. So they, in desperation, wanted to just vote, take Reeves out of office. And I was telling people that we don't know what this white boy Brandon Presley has up his sleeve, you know, because um, he was selected. He was selected. We even uh, heard some commentators on the news talking about a conservative campaign that he was running as a Democrat or a liberal. He was running a conservative campaign and he was getting donations from conservatives. You had campaign ads where you had Republicans supporting Brandon Presley mm-hmm. which, was, which was odd. And the aftermath of that election when you talk about the, the, the day after, because I watched the election results all night, and I would go back and forth from the election results to social media just to see what the commentary, just to check the temperature. And, and it, when people saw that uh, Brandon Presley, was, it, it was he was too far behind to win, and that's when the fallout started to happen. The aftermath started to clear, and people started to wonder what happened because, you know, they had a ballot shortage in Hines County. Mm-hmm. Iraq, they, they just had a a ballot shortage out of nowhere in Hines County. So they they extended the voting hours. I think it was another hour or two so that they could get those uh, ballots to the to the precinct where people could vote that had been standing in line for hours. But the the people started to point fingers. <laughs> they just out of frustration, they started to point fingers. Off. Well, young people didn't get out to vote. Well, uh, uh, people just didn't, they, they, they're not uh, into politics enough to vote. They don't know how important voting Brandon uh, take Reeves out of office was. And it wasn't that. I, I've i come to the conclusion that people, black people are tired of not getting anything for their vote. We're tired of trekking to the polls every four years or two years and not getting anything for our vote. Exactly. How is it that Mississippi has more, Black elected officials, if I'm not mistaken, in any other state and the politics don't reflect the demographics, (laughs) the racial demographics, especially here in the Delta, which is considered the poorest part of the state. And this is the part of the state, as I said before, is highly concentrated with our people. So how is it that the politics don't reflect us? I mean, even in, even in my town, the small town that I live in, Greenville, Mississippi, we've just had a black mayor. This is, this would be his second term. He just won his second term. He's a, he's of my generation, but the politics in this, in this city do not reflect the racial demographics because black people are like, Eighty percent in this in this city, seventy-five to eighty percent, give or take. But when you look at uh, the black community in this in this city, gentrification is everywhere, and it's and it's constant. But when you look at the white demographics and you look at the white population where they live, that they're, they're constantly building. They're constantly adding on, you know. So, so how is it that we have a black mayor in this city uh, It's not addressing black issues? And that's the purpose of Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the Move, and NAACP, along with the Elmer Geronimo Pratt, which is the military platform of these organizations. We want to be able to comb this state and galvanize our people, Mm-hmm. And politically educate them mm-hmm. to where we, as brother, as as brothers, uh, Scotty Scotty said, Scotty Reed said, grooming our candidates, grooming our candidates, so we could press a black agenda. It's time for us to address us. It's time for us to address us first. And why not here in the state of Mississippi, what we where we started to call now the Black Mecca. And we're encouraging. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I saw this on one of uh, one of the shows, uh, Brother Elliot. It was uh, the re great migration. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it was the re great migration back to the South. Because as we said, we're getting ready to try to take this state. And I don't want to use the word "try." We are going to take this state because we are the majority in this state. We are the majority in this state, and Brandon Presley knew that. He knew this. As I said, he put on his he put on his cousin blue suede shoes and pulled out his guitar. He, oh. said, <laughs> he, <laughs> he went down to blues and eat some hot chili and everything." Yeah, yeah exactly. He he yeah. did. He, he played his best. He, he played his best blues tune, that good old Mississippi Delta blues, and he went on a Chitlin' Circuit tour. And he managed to, to to sing our people to sleep. I got so tired of seeing Brandon Presley signs in this everywhere I went. Brandon Presley, he 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 came through this city a couple of three times during his campaign. So he was he pretty much was was trying to uh, uh, convince the people in the Delta that he was the one without having whole no resume. And that's what I didn't understand about our people. How can we trust this white boy when we've never gotten anything from white people? And we've never gotten anything from the Democratic Party, even when we had a black president. We got nothing. Barack didn't even speak to us after he got elected. He didn't even wave at us after we got elected. So why would I trust this white boy, Brandon Presley? So, as as I said, we're planning, and we're in motion as we speak. I met with a group group. Uh, On yesterday, we had breakfast yesterday morning. It was a small group of brothers and sisters. Uh, A brother called a meeting. He wanted to do something um, for Christmas for the homeless and the elderly. And at that meeting, I started to address the political aspect of the city. And when we started that conversation, because this is the time, this time, after this election, black people saw something and they really sick and tired of the politics and that conversation morphed into that little group right there eating breakfast they formed the organization right there hmm. to address the political what we call the plantation politics here in the Mississippi Delta there's a great book by a brother named Clyde Woods called Development Arrested I don't know if any of you have heard of it and it and it says the blues and plantation power in the Mississippi Delta mm. and and this system of plantation politics has been going on forever, and you have capitulated black leadership who are instruments of this plantation power the plantation politics, should I say, and we are definitely seeking to remove these coons, starting on the local level, mm-hmm. starting on the local level. Because as uh, the brother said earlier, all politics are local. So starting on a local level, we're going to remove these coons, these capitulated Negroes, and we're going to start to show our people that the right elected official, the right elected black official with a black agenda will address the problems that re- and the issues that really mean something to everyday working-class black people who are living just above the poverty line or or just below the poverty line or poverty, period. Because the, the, the candidates that we've been having hadn't been addressing those demographics. Brandon Presley's agenda, in my opinion, was to get elected and address working-class white people and poor white people. And, and the same case scenario, black people get crumbs. We get, we get the leftovers. And you have these capitulated, uh, black leaders who control the monies that come into these communities. And what they do is they funnel the money back into themselves or whatever organization they've set up to funnel money in. These, these civic and social organizations, some of these divine nine members. You know, all these people have to be addressed, the churches. We're we seeking to use these organizations as tools we want to weaponize them. Because we don't want to rock the vote no more. We want to weaponize right. the vote. It, it, it's time right. to take, as Brother Doug said, it's time to take a more militant approach. See, because we can weaponize anything we want. So we want to weaponize our vote. Which which brings and me to this- we,
9: Which brings me to this question
1: of political education. And, and Richard, hold on one second, Uh, because uh, we got a sister that worked with Scotty down there trying to organize down there in Gastonia. Before I go to uh, Brother Patrick and a few of the others, I want to try to get her on just so she can have a few Mm -hmm. words, because I think she kind of heard the conversation. Uh, Sister Sierra down there in Gastonia. Uh, Sister Sierra? Can you hear me? uh Came mm. off mic uh, Sierra Let's put it back on hold maybe she got to get things situated Oh, uh, go ahead, go ahead Richard and then No I, I was I, I want to bring just, Patrick uh, in was uh, because of, uh, what brother Malik was raising
9: because in this time and uh, you know for anybody to, to 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 you know to come in on is the political education that needs to be done um I like I like for us to be able to, based off especially, and I really do, it, as far as Mississippi and and Scotty, you're in North Carolina, and and you're and we're we're at the micro level in talking about NAACP chapters um, organizing within those chapters um, mm-hmm. in order to address issues. What is um, it, the political education has to? What is that process? In these communities, as you see, have to be developed because political education is necessary in order to be able to um, identify who to groom and also to be able to select the right candidates.
3: Anybody, um, Scotty, you you know, Um, well, taking it back to the NAACP, like I said, before I joined, a friend of mine had downloaded a copy of their entire bylaws, all uh, everything. You know, from A to Z. And so when I started reading those bylaws and reading about the standing committees that every branch should have, they're not required to have them all, but they should have them. And political education is, is one of those. Again, while you're supposed to be a nonpartisan organization, you can advocate based on the issues. If a politician, um, you issue a report card and say, you know, his issues line up with our mission statement, you know, to help the black community, people of color and um, in, in the area of civil rights, you can you can do that. But in terms of raising up, because that's the only way I see out of out of our collective condition is for us to do just like the establishment do. You don't think the establishment grooms their candidates? Man, they pick these kids in high school with an aptitude for politics and do everything they can to support them. And so, again, all of these different standing committees within the NAACP, I was like, you know, this is, like Richard was saying, this is a legacy organization with a brand, with a branded name, and we should absolutely use it as a vehicle, you know, to make life better for our people here in Gaston County. So, I mean, they, our local branch just fell down on the job so much, Um and you know, like like I invited Sierra. I think uh Sierra uh joined us. I tell her all the time she's she could be a future mayor of Gastonia on the city council. You know, cause she's that involved in and she next and she networks within the Democratic Party. But her heart is for the black folks. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um if y'all wanted to uh bring her in and ask her her perspective on what was going on here, certainly do that.
17: Can y'all hear me?
1: Yeah, now yeah. Yes, I can hear okay. you now.
17: I'm so sorry. I apologize for that inconvenience. Um, I do have a one year old in my background, so I apologize for the noise if y'all hear anything. But real quick, um, I agree with everything that Scotty just said. Um, our, our, our local, there's so much stuff that we have to do. And I think that the first thing that we are going to have to do is just get some, get all on one accord. You know, we, we got to get one agenda. We got to organize. We got to get people together. And when, you know, those people, like I've been talking to the people in the Democratic Party and trying to help them to see people that are not helping us or helping this county, you're going to have to do away with those people because it's just getting to the point on our local places that we just don't know who to trust. We got people that I feel that are hitting Republicans, you know, like it's just it's real messy. So. Politically, I'm really, my trust has really just been messed up lately because it's like people, you just don't know who people are. And as far as the NAACP, I could go on and on about this NAACP, but it's very um, disappointing just to know that these people have been, I apologize for the noise, um, just in these positions for so long and when you ask them about, you know, what have they done? What what show me something? They can show you nothing. And this is a group that is supposed to be, you know, helping black people and for black people and yet they've done nothing. Nothing at all. And they really won't even show up for the people that are doing the work, you know, because it's all this this oh, we don't wanna one up this person or we don't wanna it's just it's really, really messy. So I think that our county personally has a lot of work to do. Um Scotty loves that word gatekeeper and we have them here. It's like, you know, this boys club and they all are for this hidden agenda that nobody really knows anything about. But what we do know is that it's not benefiting us. So I I don't know. I, I, It's a mess. It really is a mess. And for me personally, I I, I struggle with just trying to find out how to fix it. Like, I feel like we just sometimes so far in the hole that I just can't um, figure out how to um bounce back. But just like Scotty said, my first priority is my community Um and, and, and that's that whole thing, you know, do you want to be in the seat or do you want to be in the streets? You know, I, I do a lot of work in the streets and that's where I feel like I'm just most beneficial but then when I keep looking out for people that are supposed to be going to get in the seats, it's like y'all, I don't feel are qualified to really, really speak up for my people so I have been dodging those seats but it, I... It just seems like eventually I'm going to have to get myself together to really, really step up there to, you know, help change some things.
1: Yeah, well, listen, Sister here, I know you can get frustrated sometimes and, and, you know, feel as though that your work is in vain. But it's a lot of people out here that see what you're doing, that are working in the same vein you're working in. You hear several of them tonight, and they're in a different state. Uh, I'm quite sure in other states and other counties, it's people doing the same thing. So we just got to keep uh, keep working, keep pushing. You 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 know you. I, I see your work, and I, you, you're working with Scotty. Uh, we, it's other activists on the line. So you got family here, and and we all. Even though I'm not in Gascon, I'm not in North Carolina at all. But you can see that we're all on the same page and trying to work together.
17: Absolutely, and it it, it is um reassuring to jump on these calls sometimes and just be around like-minded individuals sometimes I don't know if you guys feel the same way it's like you you talk to people and sometimes they just really just don't understand it or they shake their head in and they still really just don't get it like they just don't and I, I also struggle with just going to our communities and just trying to get people to understand the importance of voting and then you know you get bit with okay well like y'all just were talking about you know they're not doing anything to benefit me and you know so it's just like you know I could agree with that like you know why are we voting like why why should I be out here telling people to you know but I I do try to remain hopeful I am like one of the most hopeful people like I'm just hoping that somehow some way if it's God's will that he put it in me to to figure it out to figure out a strategy, to figure out how to get people involved. That's the one thing that I feel like if we really just come together, you know, so much can change. They're really scared of us. The day that we really, really step up there and really, really go demand the things that we want, people are so terrified of us. They really, really are. But they bank on the fact that they know we're not going to show up or really be involved as we should sometime.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you for your country, to Let's let's go. I, I, I wanna get uh uh sister Crystal involved in the conversation because she's involved in Mississippi on the move. She's an activist down in Mississippi. Sister Crystal. Sister Crystal, can you hear me?
18: Yes.
1: I can, uh, can uh, sister
18: Crystal, She's here. Okay.
1: Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Good, good. Listen, you Oh, you... sister. You heard Sister Sierra; she's up there in Gastonia, and she she talks about her activism, and she gets gets kind of frustrated at times. Talk about it from your perspective, because I know you you hear the commonality in what she's saying.
18: Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, and when she was talking about people saying they they shake their head like they get it, but they really don't get it because you see it reflected in their inaction. Uh, I felt that because, uh, you know, it's just like when I was, when I was doing, when we're doing on ICA Academy and you have people talk about, we need to be teaching our own children anyway. And then you offer the program and we don't show up or you have to really put in the work. I call it a grind. We have to grind so hard to get people to participate. And so you know, you, you don't stop because, as she said, we believe in us. We know we can do it. We just need the collective of us to believe that we can do it. And so, um, you know, it's something that we talk about and we we uh, brainstorm and, and, and just have our sessions all the time on what we have to do to wake our people up. And one thing that we all agree on is that we continue to do the work, continue to do the work, and people will see, uh, you know, the fruition of what we are working on come to light. Uh, so yeah, uh, the frustration, you know, we carry that with us all the time, and it really is a driving force for us to continue to do the work. You know, I, I talk about <clears throat> staying grounded, encouraged, and inspired in this cause like this, where we all come together. People out there, you know, they are doing the work. One thing, Baba, one of our beloved Babas told us, Doctor Murphy was, you know, we aren't, um, we just kind of disconnected. We we had to connect again, and that is one of, you know, the, the benefits of technology is that we can become connected, and we can encourage and inspire each other to continue to work. Um, you know, I'm I'm just my I'm just happy to hear. That there are other people who are doing this, who are taking control of these legacy organizations and, and changing the focus and changing the direction and the course of what we have to do. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take that for sure. I know when they, when they were talking about the NAACP in their areas in the one on Marshall County, I'm in Tate County, Mississippi, and, uh, you see some of the same, same issues. The 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 NAACP here in Tate County is a uh, aged population, and so uh, you know when you talk about uh, going in and joining them and taking over, you know it, it, it's refreshing to me because hey, we've been out here doing this work for a minute, and um, you know it, it's encouraging. The whole call has encouraged me and to keep on. Keeping on, keep moving. Uh, tuning in to you all. I, I tell people all the time: you really need to tune in to time for an awakening because it had, You all have really taught me a lot about the politics. Everything is political, as I, one of our Baba says, and I'm learning that by listening to you all each week.
1: Let me um, let me uh, go to a couple of these callers and see. Uh, let's go to New York. New York? New York? Uh oh, let me put him back on hold. Let's go over here to Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Hazelhurst? You're there? You're open? Mm-hmm. Maybe they just listen. Let's go to, and uh, let's bring Brother Patrick in here. Brother Patrick?
8: Yes, sir, Bobby Ellie. Can y'all hear me?
1: Yes, sir. You 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 heard some of the, you heard some of your con- comrades down there in uh, in Mississippi, and then you heard some of your fellow comrades in the struggle up here in North Carolina talk about uh, what they're dealing with and the struggles. Uh, we were down yeah. there, myself and Brother Richard, down there a couple months ago, and uh, and seeing the work that's being done and the organizing efforts that are going on. I'll talk about it from your perspective. Um, th- you heard the sister say that sometimes she gets a little discouraged. Just talk about it from your perspective. If, uh, maybe some encouragement or some perspective on
8: what she's saying. Well, well, let me first of all, speak to that, that sister, because, um, that, uh, frustration and that discouragement, me and sister Crystal talk about it often. As a matter of fact, we talked about it today. Um, and, 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 and let me say this. Um, this conversation is so neat. You know, I'm sitting back here and I'm just listening to uh brother Dovesack. I'm listening to uh commander Malik Haynes. I'm listening to the brother Scotty who, who, who's doing the wonderful work in North Carolina. And I'm listening to, uh, you know, the sister there. And I'm, I'm elated because it's all coming full circle, you know, to me and the work that we've been doing, uh, here in Mississippi for about 12 years now. Um, you know, uh, but Brother Elliot, um, you know, you got the NAACP, you know, uh, a legacy organization, as you say. And I think back from my childhood and, and coming up as a young adult and what the NAACP meant to me and what I saw. And what I saw was what a lot of young black people saw. You know, uh, I saw an organization that was based on education. I saw an organization would be coming up in the, in the church culture. I saw an organization that was uh, non-frictionist to white supremacy, uh, an organization that uh, was inconsequential to critical outcomes for black people. i seen an organization that stressed education and pushed baccalaureate services in the churches. You know, that was the most that i seen from the NAACP. But the real issues were not addressed. You know, uh, in hindsight. You know, and so as I matured into the person that I have become, um, the the NAACP became um, very annoying to me. Annoying. It was annoying to me. It, it, it is still annoying to me for the most part. But the glimmers of light that we began to see, you know, uh, the, the, the Dove Sack. I even tried to be instrumental in getting ba- Baba Shabaka, Africa. Uh, one of my great teachers who took over the NAACP in West Mesa, Arkansas, in Crittenden County, uh, right across the river here, and uh, right here in the Delta. But, you know, we're saying all that to say that we right on time, you know, and all of this hinges in Mississippi on the work of the Black Liberation Movement. And I remind us that in 2021, we began to embark upon. Uh, 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 an agenda that we call Mississippi on the move and uh, we hashed and launched a 10-city town talk tour where we wanted to go into predominantly, predominantly black townships all throughout Mississippi and begin to have a critical conversation about our political condition uh, throughout this vastly uh, populate, black populated state We've seen the capitulation, but who was speaking to it? None of the establishment Negroes that uh, we're talking about uh, were speaking to the black people resource and the politics that did not reflect the body of the pe- other people. Yes, we have more black elected officials than any state in the United States, right here in Mississippi, but it, but it is not reflective in a manner that deals with the critical historical deficiencies of black people. So we had to have something that was calling the attention to these issues and calling out capitulated black leadership. And, uh, uh, while we suffer these injustices, and I'm going to say this because I, I would rather sit back and just listen tonight. The black, the black church, and the NAACP traditionally have been so interwoven, so incubated, but so non-frictionless, non-abrasive, and inconsequential for Black people in the community uh, till the paradigm. But 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 now that paradigm is shifting. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, if we had taken all the churches in the black community, if they were as effective as they should be. Because what I'm saying is that the NAACP, for the most part, and black churches deserve an overhaul. All all of them, for the most part, deserve an overhaul because they have, for the most part, been inconsequential to the outcome for black people. We have to take the hands of these establishment Negroes that are, that are at the helm of these organizations and begin to pry, pry them loose like what Doves has done, what Scotty has done, go in and pry their hands from the hems of these organizations that's so interwoven into the black community so that we can begin to have a leadership that reflects the people. It's very simple. It's very simple. So rehashing that agenda, which is what we are doing with Mississippi on the move, and um, hearing Brother Scott, hearing the young sisters saying what they're saying, it reminds me of what Sister Crystal was was trying to say about uh Doctor Dr. Murphy and what he was telling us. He said we're not as divided as we are disconnected. we connecting dots now. This conversation that we're having right now Amongst these people that have been galvanized together. And Brother Elliot, you and Brother Richard, you know, from the time we first met, when we were fighting down here trying to get Carrie Brian Dunham arrested for the atrocity that she and the two white men and all the white collaborators did to our brother Emmett Till, but not only Emmett Till, they did it to the humanity of black people. That's when we met. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've been locked at the hip, lockstep. I'm talking about time for the awakening, of Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, and the Black Liberation Movement here in Mississippi, so much so that you come down here to our seventh annual Black Liberation Movement Billings, uh Power Summit, so much so that now you are intricately involved. And we want to use your resource to bring more black people to Mississippi, what we call uh, the mech that we are establishing here and um, continue to make this paradigm-shifting change and model example of what it is that we are going to portray. Not trying, but what we are going to portray. So, you know, I'm just happy, you know, right now. I'm not as frustrated as I was this morning <laughs> that I'm hearing the conversation take place right now that's needed. I think this is the most consequential uh, conversation that black people can be had is the one that we have right now to change our condition. And like Shabaka Africa would say, if he was on this phone call tonight and I was unable to get him on here, he would ask, where is our imagination as a black people? Can we imagine a nation? How is that done? How is that done? Sometimes I tell people, uh, 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 Brother Elliott, I-, I must be the wrong Patrick, because when Patrick Henry asked for liberation, he got it. <laughs> when Patrick Lumumba asked, he got to go through hell and high water to get it. But, see, tonight, it, it feels a little better tonight. So, you know, I'm I'm elated, you know, at hearing what I'm hearing uh, from Brother brother Scotty, the sister. I'm elated from hearing what I'm hearing with my own people right here in Mississippi. Just to hear Brother Malik and to hear Brother Dovesack and just to see how we all have come together under the banner of liberation and we push pushing for our people, irregardless of the pushback against us. So I just want to continue to encourage, you know, everybody that's on this phone. We're not as divided as we are disconnected. And I think, you know, we begin beginning to connect those dots. Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, we appreciate you for reaching out, you know, and making sure that we're able to connect these people and uh, continue this work.
1: Let me, uh, Take a couple more. At the time we got left, let me take a couple more of these calls. Let's go to uh,
0: 215. 215? Yes, good evening, Brother Elliott. How you doing? Yes, sir. Uh, hey, hey, Brother Richard. Hello to you, all your guests, Brother, brother Patrick, Brother Scotty, sister, um, I forgot the sister's name. So All the ones that's there right now. If I miss anybody, forgive me. Hello, hello to everybody. How is how, everybody doing tonight? Oh, we great, brother. we
8: find power,
0: brother. Uh, praise be to Allah. Uh, how you doing, sister? You know, one thing is crystal clear to me here in Philadelphia is that it seems to me that our sisters and brothers down in the South is definitely way more, they, to me, they're way more conscious and more together as far as unity go than these Negroes up here in Philadelphia up in the North. Because, you know, You don't hear the kind of talk that I'm hearing tonight. And I mean this from my heart. You don't hear the kind of talk about holding this Democrat Party accountable. Like, you know, here y'all in the South, y'all in Mississippi, y'all in North Carolina, but you calling the Democrat Party out. Here in Philadelphia, these Negroes, they, they, they slave to this white Democrat Party, man. And these handkerchief-haired Negroes they got as the gatekeepers, man. They don't, they don't say the things they, they, they said they tried saying tonight. And look at how our people in a pickle, I think, was, Brother Patrick or or, or somebody, maybe, maybe it may Brother Patrick, but I forgot who it was, but they were talking about the situation with the governor's race down there. Now, look at the pick people have been in. you got to choose between the devil like Tate Reeves or whatever. Then you got Elvis Presley's cousin running. That's his only resume. He's running on the fact that he's Elvis Presley's distant cousin. And then that other bigot that was the governor before, I forgot whether it was a Democrat, Republican, or uh, Cal Bryan's, Kyle and Bryan's uh, cousin or whatever like that. I mean, these, and then you equate that to what's going on with the presidential race. We as black people, we always put in the position that we gotta vote for the lesser two evils. There's never a thing where you can say, well I'm gonna pick this candidate because he's just a better him or her is a better candidate. We as black folks we always put in that position in this country because these house Negroes in the Democrat party and we always gotta vote for the lesser two evils. Your white devil is better than my white devil. That's what it always comes down to, like the brother said earlier, when it came out of Trump and, and Biden. That's what we was put in. Well we, if you don't vote for um uh, but for, for Biden you going to get Trump. If you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, you're going to get Trump. If you don't vote for uh, Walter Mondale, you're going to get Reagan. You know, if you don't vote for um, John Kerry, you're going to get George Bush. we always put in that position, man. Are we as black people tired of that dynamic? I mean, aren't we? I mean, you would think by now. And where is the God is that? We both, for, for, for the so called devil of the of the Democrat Party, we still get kicked in the ass. You know, and we know, we know you're going to get kicked in the behind when it comes to the Reagans and the Bush of the world. When we get these people like the Bidens and the Clintons in there, and the Bidens, we get the crime bill, three strikes you out, Hillary Clinton, super predator. I mean, we just, we catch it all kinds of ways, man. So, I mean, we got to change our thought process and, 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 and move in a different direction. And that's, and that's why I appreciate what y'all sisters and brothers doing down in Mississippi and North Carolina. But y'all and southern states and y'all more forward thinking than these Negroes up here in the, in, in Philadelphia that so the slack tied to the Democrat Party. Because and I say this one couple of things I get on to monopolize the conversation. I'll say this one more thing and two more things I go. It's like the brother was saying about how the the Negro down in uh, I think it was in North Carolina's brother Scotty was saying, how he was running around here with you know promoting white businesses. But we had the same thing up here in Philadelphia at a time when, a, when when COVID first happened in 2020, at a time when Black businesses, barbershops, salons, all them was facing closure and couldn't get no kind of you know financial aid to get help, we had a, a Black city councilman. He run around with, with white and Asian businesses, mainly Asian businesses. He run around with them, and, they, and here they got two Asian people at that time on city council and stuff. And yet they was running around supporting their people, which I have no problem with. And so this Negro supporting Black businesses, he run around with Asian business people at a time when Black businesses was closing. I mean, this the kind of Disrespect that these Negroes show towards our people, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, this 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 dynamic has got to stop. I mean, it just can't keep going on this way. And so, I just want to thank y'all in closing, but but being conscious down there in North Carolina and Mississippi and states like that, Southern states, and holding that Democrat Party accountable and stuff like that. And I always wish we had more Black people up here in Philadelphia that felt like y'all. thought. and that's all I want to say, Ellen, and I'll get off and, and put me on mute, Ellen. I listen to the rest of the show.
1: Thanks for your contribution, brother. You're welcome. Let's go to uh, Arizona, 602,
11: 602. Yes, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, and good evening to the panelists, the guests, Brother Marcus here, greetings. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, good brother. You know, a similar thing happened right here in Memphis, you know. It's a predominantly black city. Uh, Over 700,000 black folks live here, but they only control 0.02% of the local economy. You know, yes, we have a lot of black political figures, but we don't run the economy of the community and that it really that's really what it boils down to, you know. It's the economy, it's the who run who control the money. And you know, I I have been through Greenwood, Mississippi, I've been through some of these communities, and one thing I notice that it's lacking, it's people, you know? There ain't no people there. The population is so low. The infrastructure is good. They got, you know, I mean, the roads may not be that good, but they got a the sewage system. They got um, electric the electricity, you know. I mean, that presents opportunity, you know. That presents opportunity for Negroes that live in the north, who are catching hell in the north. We should... Partnership with our brothers and sisters in the south, and take advantage of some of those opportunities, and repopulate those places, and establish businesses in the in the in those communities. I mean, somebody strips, somebody when you say the, the town, when they say you go to town, ain't nothing in the town. It's all the all the buildings are you know abandoned, or boarded up. You know what I'm saying? So, we need to have a kind of shift to population shift from the north back to the south. You know, because that is the power base. That is the real power base. It ain't up there in them cities. You know what I'm saying? And with the way this world pivoting to, we may have to move out of them cities. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Because the way this thing looking, you know, you know, so anything might jump off, you know what I'm saying? So we really should start connecting with the brothers and sisters down in Mississippi, down in North Carolina, because that is the power base. It is, you know, that if something jump off, we got to head back that direction. If you go eat some food, if you're going to get some water, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You've got to be south. It ain't up there, not my brother. You know, cause everything gotta be trucked in, in them cities. Everything gotta come in on a truck. At least down so here, you could go shoot a pig or shoot a deer. You know, I'm <laughs> saying, go to the river, get some water. You know, because it may get to that point. I'm telling you, next year we, we, you're gonna see some. You're gonna see hell pop next year if it if, if it don't start before. I'm telling you, Anyway, yeah. Brothers and sisters, don't shout, keep on, keep it on. We're with you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> thanks, thanks Thanks for
1: the contribution. No problem.
9: Elliot, hey, yeah. hey, um, once again, and, and I hope that everyone, um, you know, bear with me. I'm always, as I listen to our conversation, as we're developing our, what I call strategic understanding, of once again, right, um in this moment um for the acquisition of power, and what I think that we should be clear um that that 's what we 're talking about, and we're using all the tools in the yeah. toolbox I think that thats just should be, and so I wanted to share this uh you know i 'm always thinking about uh, the brother somebody asked me earlier uh, somewhere else, do I play chess, and I just know how to put, move the people pieces move, I, I keep losing all the time. I don't know what that is, a bad thinking or whatever. But I do think that we need to think from the perspective of grand strategy, right? Like the question of where we're going. And I just wanted to share this thought as I'm going through this text of 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 rethinking grand strategy, just as the uh, ideal to for me that lets you know how I'm viewing this conversation. And 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 it says as military theorists Colin Gray's argue uh, intimate and intricate bond exists between strategic culture and the decision made by those in positions of responsibility within a security community. Strategic culture can be conceived as a, as a context out there that surrounds and gives meaning to strategic behavior. Everything a security community does if, not a manifestation of strategic culture is at least an example of behavior affected by culturally shaped or incultured people, organizations, procedures, and weapons. The impact of strategic culture is often subtle. It is ubiquitous and applies to groups, ideals, beliefs operating outside of formal politics and policy making. And I just wanted to end on these two thoughts. Three main types of grand strategy, grand plans, grand principles, and grand behaviors. When viewed as a way of organizing knowledge situated within and emanated from a distinct historical and cultural context, the ideal of grand strategy becomes more mobile and it contends and operates more readily and apparent. And I just, you know, why I'm inspired from this conversation, because it is talking about, we're listening in, you know, as brother said about the South in general, and we're talking about specific communities, um, broader Mississippi, um, just as broad North Carolina, and even more, um, you know, granular, the particular areas using the tools of NAACP. But we are talking about, If you don't mind me saying it like this, we're talking about a grand strategy of what victory is. It's not what we're trying to achieve, what it is. And I think that that once we continue to define what victory is, if y'all don't mind me saying this, that will be inspirational to the communities that are not utilizing the tools like even voting or organizing or coming into these legacy organizations um, in order to utilize that for our liberation. That grand strategy to articulate that clearly in different ways in our different areas, I think can be an inspiration. And in this moment right here, that's what y'all were doing for me, articulating a strategic culture that's happening in different places. Y'all didn't know each other and coming up with the same operational plan and strategic behavior in relationship to what you have to do and providing even, um, to each other inspiration to deal with this hair that's in front of us. Cause it is warfare. I, I, I know, I don't know if I should say that, but them old people in those positions and they first line, we ain't even get to the fourth line yet. Right. <laughs> So I just wanted to
1: share that. I don't know if hopefully it's relevant.
3: Yeah. Thank you, brother Richard. Listen,
1: before, before we go this evening, I, I, I just want to, uh, raise this question. It's not really a question. It's just a observation to brother Dubsack and brother Scotty and sister Sarah. If she want to re- re- weigh in because she's a part of that reorganization of the, uh, NAACP up there in Gaston County. Um, because we, we see the, the, uh, the heart and the intentions of the activists that's on tonight. And we clearly realize, because Scotty mentioned it, he alluded to it earlier, that the National had as their keynote speaker and gave her an award Hillary Clinton up there in Boston. So we see that the, the, The brass, and I'll use that term, the top brass of these organizations, even though they use black people as the the uh, window dressing, they might not have the salvation of black people really in their mind. I think it's more about control. So when we see certain things happen, like, for example, when we uh, met Brother Patrick and the activism they were doing around Carolyn Bryant being. The warrant being served on her, and a lot of the NAACP chapters in Mississippi didn't even want to talk about it. In fact, it was only one activist and Brother Patrick. You, uh, you, his name escapes me. He came on with us, and I think he was the chapter head in one of the counties down there.
8: Brother Charles Motley yes. in Sunflower County.
1: Yeah, and when he mentioned it to, um, because I think at the time Benny Thompson and them had meetings down there. They had some type of. Uh, um uh, uh, something for the NAACP down there, and he said that he had he talked with somebody in the parking lot because they didn't even bring it up in the, the national meeting. so it was certain, mm-hmm. it was certain things that the people might want, that the black public might want, that some of these organizations might not want to deal with, and that might put you in the crosshair, so to speak. I'll, I'll use another example. Uh, up there, right outside of New York, uh, I think it's Green, Greenwood, isn't it, Richard? Uh, they put a one of the activists uh, that had been an active, active uh, in the community for a number of years, had commissioned a mural to be built in the Black community, but uh, with over two hundred images uh, from slavery on up to the current day of of activists. Involved in our struggle, the mayor of the town who happened to be Jewish uh, was against the mural and he got other people uh, and it happened to be black to speak against the mural because one of the images on the mural was Minister Farrakhan. And they were saying that he was anti-Semitic. They didn't want him on the mural. The activists were saying, well, this is a black mural in a black community talking about people that was instrumental in a black struggle. But it was, an, it was a big fight about that. Now, I contacted personally the NAACP head up there in that town that was right outside of New York City. And she told me out of her own mouth, well, because I asked her her position on it, because she hadn't, the activists told me that they had went to her several times to get her to stand up. Stand with the community. She told me out of her own mouth, well, I was instructed not to get involved. <laughs> so, you know, we, we can just kind of see that in certain cases, it's other people that might direct some of these heads. It is, this is just me talking. I think that brother, both you, Brother Dubsack and Scotty knows that when you're building these chapters that you have to build strong people and strong people that really have their community, uh, in the forefront because some of these people that have taken control of these organizations, uh, they end up getting corrupted somehow, but I'm just throwing that out there because, um, sometimes some of these missions that we have for our community runs afoul of some of that leadership. And I, and I know that both of you brothers realize that.
3: I think we're talking again about gatekeepers. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that this didn't happen overnight with the NAACP. I think it occurred over decades, but they are far removed from, you know, their founders um, and, and the founding mission. Um, and so I, I think that whenever you come to do something, and it may not be your intention to be a disruptor, but the nature of your work is going to disrupt the establishment or the status quo, people are going to come for you. Mm-hmm. So you already, you know, have that mindset of expecting that. But at the same time, you should already have your resolve built up to the point that no matter what comes, no matter what comes, I know what my mission is, my mission directive is clear, and I will not be moved from it. And, and so I, I guess it's a matter of the heart and, and you know, having the courage to stand up. Um, but of course, we know that there will be people to come after you to try to corrupt you. You know, for example, with the NAACP. Okay, when we start, when we forced them to have that first meeting, um, and then we start going to the meetings and and you know what was discussed was discussed. Do you know this fake? Because I call them fake. Cause you are, you can't be president of a chapter that's out of compliance. Okay. You, you just telling people that's what you are, but do you know this fake executive committee tried to meet with me by myself said they wanted to have a meeting with me uh, and to meet them at this particular church. And I refused to go. I was like, if anything you got to say to me, you got to say to the people that I came up in here with and not even give them an opportunity to, to to make an offer so-called that you can't refuse. Now, on the flip side of that, this other activist in the county who I didn't really know him like that, but I knew he was in the streets at a lot of the events that I was at. And I may not have always agree with his tactics, but he was, he wasn't sitting on his ass. Right. So anyway, he was one of the activists I reached out to when, you know, when that boy got killed, um, And said, man, we need to take over the local chapter, you know, can I count on you? You know, will you join? All you need to do is join, you know, and then we could put in the proper leadership and get these old old heads out. And so guess what happened, though? He joined, but guess what happened? They made an offer that he apparently couldn't refuse because they was about to point him to the executive community the very day the district guy came in and said, cease and desist. You're not a chapter anymore. But they was about to put that guy. They didn't know that guy. They didn't know him any more than they knew me all right but they certainly he certainly was going to take that position oh his his wife got very pissed off when it went down that day that no you're not finna do that you're not finna do that so yeah you just have you have to know when you get into these things what we're up against <laughs> If you study history, you know what our people have come up against and the things that they suffered. So if you're not prepared to make that sacrifice and and suffer for your people, then it's best to just stay on the sideline. That's that's all I got, Elliot.
17: I think that I can agree to exactly what... Um, Scotty just said, so for me, I just kind of like, I've been in the game probably like three years, three, you know, three years and just kind of like Scotty said, when we went into these meetings, like, although we were, I don't feel that we were saying anything like out of place, but I think just because we were holding them accountable, we got labeled Like, you know, like, it was kind of like, if anything, I think that they kind of wanted to shut somebody up. I ain't going to call no name, Scotty. But I think they did everything to try to quiet Scotty because they did not want to be held accountable. And they knew that he was bringing it live and direct to them, like, uh, legally, like, by the book. Um... And so that's that's the thing for me. I, I kind of get nervous at the beginning. Scott, you know like I was kind of nervous like, "Uh, I don't know about this y'all, but that's because I'm the student and I'm around people that are the teachers and sometimes I don't really, you know what I'm saying? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but somebody has got to do the hard work within these organizations because there is no reason at all that this organization should have stood for as long as it did with the with the past executive board not being active i literally asked them to tell me about an event and these people told me that they had an event that dated back to 1809 which was voters registration. when was the last time they had a voters registration event and nobody could give me an answer and and it's like you know when we kind of went in there it's like nobody really wanted to it wasn't like a, a welcome, you know, like a welcoming. Like we got some fresh faces. Okay, they got some new ideas. It was more so like um, we kind of felt like unwanted. I did, anyways. Like you know, I want my money back. I don't feel like I'm <laughs> welcomed over here. For real, like it was. It was disheartening. But um, somebody has got to do it, and it was. It was really, really difficult. And for, and, and just like you said, they did not want to have a meeting. They did not want to have a meeting and they can they use everything possible, even on after the fact after the man said it was shut down. He they still was like going around telling people as president is this. And it's like, no, you're done. They do not want to let go. And that's why things just that's why gas on your ears the way that it is, because these people get in these positions and they are super glued to them. And you have to literally use. I don't even know what unholds super glue, but you got to really pry their hands. You, they, they are like gripping on with every ounce of might that they have. And instead of just saying, you know what, y'all are right, or, or welcoming this in and helping us learn the ropes so that we can all help one another, it's like just an outcast, like a division, like y'all and us. <laughs>
1: wow. Brother Dubzak? Did you want to weigh in for the uh, final comments on that? Oh, brother, I'm saying we might have lost him, brother Patrick. Brother Patrick,
8: yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. But the, uh, I brother I just want to say in closing, um, you know, my spirit is is going everywhere right now. You know, I'm I'm just listening to all of this and internalizing all this and ingesting all this, and my spirit's going everywhere. So I'm just going to be brief and, 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 and to the point. Um, black people just got to stop being afraid of white people. Uh, as that, you know, uh, Baba Shabaka, Africa, if he was on the line, he would say something to this nature. He would say that uh, people would be discriminated against, marginalized, ostracized, and even killed until, until they develop the moral character to stand up for their own humanity. And, 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 and right now, it's a humanity issue with black people. It's a, it's a humanity issue with black people right now. And we have to develop the moral character to stand up and remove people out of leadership positions that not being consequential for black people. So, you know, I mean, even right now with this country, uh, a lot of people don't even understand what has politically happened in this country. And I'm going to put it in perspective. This country has politically taken deviant culture, which is what we have in the LGBT community, and given it a humanity. But at the same time, the politics of this country has taken a race and dehumanized it to a deviant culture. So that's how backwards this thing is. And we got black people that's going along to get along. And right now, we have to stand up for our own humanity. So, you know, at this point, uh, Bob Elliott, we are taking that stance. You know what I'm saying? And I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. And I just wanted to speak to, before we go, uh, Charles Blow wrote a book called The Devil You Know. And it speaks profoundly about the reverse migration idea. And if we would study our history, we, we would see that the northern cities, those destination st- cities like Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, even the first one, which was Memphis, that's right north of us right now. You know, people fled out of the south into these cities, these destination cities. But these are cities. You know, we're talking about a state. And I'm going to tell y'all this. If we're not talking about going back across the Atlantic Ocean and reestablishing ourselves at our real home, then we're going to have to establish something here for ourselves. I mean, seriously, and when you start to think about the South and the black people resource here, when we convene the Black Liberation Movement, Bill and Power Summit, and we have people come down, they always talk about the people resource. They always talk about black people everywhere. Well, we need the black people that left here to reinvest back into the South, even if you don't even intend to live here. I mean, Mississippi don't have to be your place, but it can be your base. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the South in particular. To reinvest in the South, where Black people are, create an economy like the brother was talking about. The roster, but let's do this. Some of the some of the uh, more uh, not more intellectual people, because that's a sentiment that that's not true. Black people in the North is more intelligent than the Black people in the South. No, it's just a lot of Black people that got trapped here due to the socioeconomic situation. They don't make us less intelligent. It may even make us more. In, in, in uh, 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 ingenious because we're able to survive with less. But what I'm saying is that we should really consider the reverse migration uh, idea. If we talk in serious political uh, progress. So Lamuma was not playing with that when he uh, ascertained the mayoral seat in Jackson, Mississippi. And he began to solicit to black people from all across the nation to come to Jackson, Mississippi. And let's build the socioeconomics. Let's build the politics. Let's build the educational system around Black people that's already here. So I'm just saying that to say there's nothing unintelligent about what we're talking about tonight. You know, so we have to we have to uh, take this conversation and continue to build on it to a tangible reality. So that's what we're doing, and that's what we'll be doing. Uh, from this point forward with mystic on the move and all parties affiliated, that's what we'll be doing. So like I said, brother Elliot, I'm grateful, you know, for the platform and I'm grateful for the continuity and the camaraderie of the brothers and sisters that we have here. And, and, I, and I yield. Listen,
1: I want to thank everybody for, uh, for joining this conversation tonight. It won't be the last time that we, uh, talk about these things because, uh, the organization or the, or the reorganization of those chapters and probably other chapters in those states are going to be continuously working. In fact, we had, uh, uh, one of the listeners say that he knows some other chapters in a few other states that have done the same thing. So we'll be having this conversation again and, uh, uh, everybody can join when we have some of those other, other chapters on in some of the other states.
3: So. Hey, Elliot, before, uh-huh. go before you go, um, I do want to confirm that. Um, because I get news alerts about a lot of these NAACP chapters either being shut down and the officers removed or young people taking them over. So it does seem to be a movement across this country to infiltrate and, and, and militarize. I'm going to use that term. Um, these vehicles, these legacy organizations. And the, and the last thing I want to share. When y'all were t- keep talking about the South, the Republic of New Africa just keeps popping into my head. You know what I'm saying? Because um, that can be real, still a, be a vision of some of our elders that could be realized here in the South. Thank you. <laughs> wow, yeah. my head too. My head too, Scotty.
9: But I I just I, I I'll leave that alone. I ain't messing with
1: y'all.
8: Yeah, we very affiliated with the Republic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So, uh, listen, uh, I want to thank everybody for being with us this evening. And, uh, grateful for this discussion. And uh, you know what? We're, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll we'll end the program. But I thank everybody for being on with us, uh, Brother Scotty, Sister Sierra, uh, Sister Crystal, Brother Dovesack, uh, Brother Malik Hayes, Brother Patrick, everybody that was on with us. I want to thank you all for being with us, and we'll be right back.
6: Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today 484 268
13: The Digital Plantation. abibitumidotcom, abibitumidatv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumidatstore are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your Global Commit-To-U Black family to Join your interconnected, commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new
14: era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for. 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the negro to be in America I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they're always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep That.
3: Whites are expert game players in
16: their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young But I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The Examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment.
2: I come here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-asserted manhood his own
15: emancipation proclamation. Don't
2: let anybody... Take
12: your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to
1: Time for an Awakening. Um, Richard. Yes, yes. Oh, man, great discussion. Yeah. <laughs> We're with, with activists from two states tonight. Go ahead, say that. I'm I'm inspired. And it uh you know and uh well I'll talk with uh, Scotty and and I think brother Otis mentioned that he knows some folks. So I'd, I'd really like to be anxious to get some of the uh, other states that have done something similar. So our people can see that these things is is, is it's a spirit moving among our people. And it's clear. The yes. thing the thing that uh, that is key in this. Is the communication aspect, Richard? Yeah, being able to pass these messages to let people know they're not alone, and to let people know that there is, is other people in other states and other areas doing the same struggle. Because, and I listen, I'm not trying to uh, 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 be a hater or bash anybody, but you're not going to hear this on other black talk, and it ain't that many black talk stations, but it's certain ones. You're not going to hear these type of conversations. You're not you're not going to hear him on the gold, the Black Eagle. You're not going to hear him on Shopton. You're not going to hear them. And you definitely ain't going to hear them on those Amy and Sandy type of shows in the mornings in every city. The laughing, joking, the satires. I mean, you know, I, 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 listen, I, I like a joke and a laugh, but uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every morning, serious issues going on. And you turn on your radio in every city. It's laughing and jokes ain't that much funny in the world,
10: hmm.
1: hey So you know these conversations are necessary, and it, I mean, listen, I'm I'm just uh, happy and proud that you know I, uh, when we left URD, man, I uh, uh, was blessed to run into Scotty, and and uh, you know he made me an offer to to take what we were doing on terrestrial radio and bring it to streaming and uh you know we've been there ever since so you know that that's what we do here listen before we leave i just want to give the lineup on time for the awakening media mondays wednesdays and fridays 11 a.m to 1 p.m african perspectives with brother ushi always interesting topics and dialogue on african perspectives that's mondays wednesdays and fridays 11 a.m to 1 p.m later on in the week you heard them Brother Patrick Black uh, with Mississippi on the move. The Black Liberation Movement is Thursdays uh, from 8 to 9. Friday's time for Awakening is back from 8 until uh, Saturdays from 7 to 9. The elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James is host from 7 to 9 on Saturday evenings. And then on Sunday's time for Awakening is back from 7 until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening lively discussion as always and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
10: If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon you watching your children playing after school children